Hello, Screeders. Yes, I'm back in the car again. Every day, probably from now on, at least six days a week. And today, I have a question for you. Why does it seem like in a time of endings, life is full of new beginnings? Hey, I always say every day is a new day. But as I'm driving along the river, the Rock River, for those who are curious, and I see the trees slowly losing their summer luster, but falling into a brazen fall, all I'm thinking about is opportunity in life, gaming, career, relationships and what it would take to make those opportunities be successful. Life is full of opportunities, especially for someone as privileged as I am. So I truly appreciate that. And uh, I just wanted to share that a little bit with you. But, you know, I don't know. What I do know, today is a Wednesday hump day. November 10th, 2021, I am Jason Hobbs, and this is Random Screed. Yeah, Jason, I go back and forth on the unboxings, especially after Amy did an unboxing, and it was really good. Um, I tried to coax her to do more, but, you know, something fell. I think it's okay. Um, but I, I guess I... I really need to plan the unboxings better. I agree. I think not just opening it up, but maybe reviewing or an overview of what I'm unboxing would be more interesting. But of course, then it would be one episode on the, one unboxing per episode, and it'd probably be the whole episode, right? So, yeah, you know, sometimes they're useful. Sometimes people like them. If they're informative, I guess they're good. Um, if it's just rip, rip, shred, shred, you're probably right. And there you have it, Carl Rodriguez from the Geomologist Presents calling in uh, in reference to a call-in I made to his show, which if you want to hear it, you should go check it out. I don't know what episode it is, but um, it was my first call-in to his show, and I was slightly disappointed in an unboxing. Taylor Clerics Ring Mail, I intended to call you and complain about it too, but I just felt like, eh. How much do I have to complain about unboxings? I can't say that I've ever heard a good one. I know Tim Shorts is someone who kind of started the unboxing thing, as far as I know, in uh, the Anchor Sphere. I'm not a fan. And that's that. I would be curious to hear Amy's. Uh, but regardless, thanks for calling and letting me know. I have a couple more calls coming in from Carl concerning... Um, tech in D&D. Let's go. Yeah, what is the technology in D&D? It is a hodgepodge. Like I was just watching um, a show. I think it was called, it was uh, going over this um, Danish, I guess it was a Danish um, swordsman school book. And it had a lot of pictures. It had like not just fighting styles and how to do um, trials by combat, 
but also engineering works. And one thing they did go over was armor and they recreated like a full plate setup plate armor from, you know, the middle ages. So circa 13th century, 14th century, um, early 15th century, probably, but, uh, the guy could run in it. And I wonder how that, you know, why reduction in speed and armor is always a thing in D and D and maybe it's not, but the engineering stuff was pretty cool. Aside from the trebuchet, they had showed like tanks with cannon. Obviously this is like, you know, 15th, 16th century type stuff. They had little devices that could cut you up to your feet and blow your feet up as well, like mines, mobile mines. Um, they had bells that you could assault and place charges or explosives at the base of a castle wall that stood up to bow fire. So, you know, um, technology is a strange thing. Our conception, unfortunately, of medieval technology comes from movies in the, in the mid 20th century where, like Henry V, where they put Lawrence of Olivier, uh, harnessed him from, you know, lifted him in a crane onto a horse, which is totally wrong. So, you know, we just gotta keep refining our ideas. d and is kinda off, right? All right, there was the second group of call-ins from Carl Rodriguez. As I mentioned, the Geomologist Presents. I don't even know if Presents is part of the thing. Uh, I hope it is, because that sounds cool. Anyway, a lot to parse there. Um, I think one of the key points to recognize is that you talked about 500 years of technology there. So where that's all this has always been kind of my question. Where does your game or your particular setting fit in 500 years? Holy cow, that's a that's a lot of RPG and brother. But you know what? Where I mean, that's I think a, a good question is where do you want your setting to be placed technology wise? And I mean, some of it doesn't have to be the same when magic exists. It seems like technology would move at a different rate anyway because war is a large mover of technology, right? Um, So the more combat that happens with magic, you know, you would think that there would be more things to combat magic than there are. And I kind of wonder about that scene in Lawrence of Arabia I mean do you think they just made that up or was there actually a time early in plate mail construction that it was heavy and it required you know a crane to get you on the massive destrier I don't really know but I wonder and also we gotta realize when we're talking about tech for a whole planet now we can look back and see it throughout a bunch of different countries And then, you know, but we all kind of just ram it all together. So like you technology, I mean, that was a big controller on how powerful nations were. I think I'm not that good at geography, nor am I that great at history. So most of you guys are probably saying, no, Hobbs, you sound like a doorknob here. This is really what the factors are. So I guess my question to you is, as always, we're playing a game. So how important is the simulation aspect compared to how fun a game is 
Now, if immersion is important, then suspension of disbelief is also a factor. And if you can't, you know, believe the concepts surrounding the technology of the setting, then it's going to be difficult for you to have immersion. But I don't know. I think it's a cool question. And it makes me feel like J.M. DeFoggy was even more correct that maybe more work needs to be done in the research segment. But does it? Is it fun or isn't isn't it fun? You know, what's fun to you and your table? Uh, the other thing I wanted to comment on, which is momentarily escaping me, was why do we limit the movement on plate? Well, it's a balance issue, right? So you want some granularity in your characters, so you're going to limit what they can do. Oh, you have spells, you can't use different types of weapons or these armor. Uh, I think uh, Adventure Conqueror King system did it really well in the companion where it kind of, where it, where the author um, went over how he balanced his classes. And I've done similar things when I've broken down BX or OSE in order to create, you know, other genres with that rule system. One of the reasons that we all got pointed towards Hero System, or that one of the reasons I went to Hero System and got out of D&D for 15 years, uh, was this very thing, is this arbitrary effort at balance. And eventually I realized that Hero System isn't balanced either. Nothing is really balanced. So why, why is it necessary? We're not worried about balanced encounters in the old school. Why are we so interested in balanced character classes? Well... I have an answer. It's because of uh, niche protection, right? If all the characters can do everything, then the heavy-handed player just railroads over the whole session. And lots of different systems have issues with this in different phases, where it be advancement or character gen. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I'd love to know. But uh, anyway, thanks for calling in, Carl appreciated as always hey jason and it's rich so yeah i've had to deal with intent a lot in um rpgs i uh happen to have a bunch of players who like to make charismatic characters though they themselves uh trip on their words so i've um had to devise a strategy to deal with that and um the first process of that is asking for their intent you know uh what's your intent what are you trying to get and how are you trying to get it? Um, it seems natural that we should carry this over into life, but uh, I haven't yet. It also just recently happened to me uh, where a player wanted to use a magic item, bag of beans, that I had no idea what it really did and um, what they wanted to happen with it. So uh, we rolled for what it did. I kind of judged it right there in the on the spot and uh, the player was very unhappy with what happened. and. Uh, so was I, unfortunately, but we worked it out. Talk to you soon. Rich Frazier from Cockatrice oh, Nuggets. And uh, I don't know what his uh, Twitch channel is. I know he runs his 5e game on Twitch. So if you want to check it, Sangria, maybe? Is that what it's called? But uh, let us know, Rich. Anyway, thanks for the call in. 
And yeah, I totally agree with you. This is exactly why I kind of ask that question myself a lot of times. Like, what is it you're intending? Um, I don't know anything about a bag of beans, for sure. Um, But I think resolving what a player is trying to do with their character within, you know, the scene of your game or adventure or setting or however you want to talk about it is what a GM is there for, right? Uh, They have to resolve these things and the process of doing so is either within the guidelines of the rules or it isn't. And I don't know, some people may want to judge games by what is within the the rules and what isn't, but I, I don't know if that's my job right now, right here. But um, it sounds like even though you weren't that happy, oh shit, you weren't that happy with the situation as it was, I think uh, it'll work out in the end, right? You don't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. If he is up or down, his podcast still comes round. Hobbs is in his van, don't turn off that sad nap man. Random screed, random screed, don't know what you get, but it's what you need. All right, Screeders, I found myself lately breaking the show. I mean, I've kind of always done this, but I have an introduction that leads into the show, and then we do call-ins and responses, which are past topics, and then uh, I usually do a status report and then talk about something. Well, in the status report, it almost feels like I'm doing a second introduction, but eh, let me know what you think, I guess, if you like the way the show flows or if you don't like it. I always used to say, if you're not um, if you're not changing or learning, you're dying. So I'm always open to suggestions. And a couple things I thought I wanted to talk about today is, first of all, Game Hole. I did not talk about Game Hole last episode, and I was at Game Hole 9 2021 at the end of October. So. I seem like uh, I have made a fail if I don't uh, if I don't talk about it. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, the Lost Lake, the game I've been running, and maybe what happened and what's been going on and how I feel about it. So I also maybe should say again that I'm expecting to be doing episodes a lot more. So. If you want to call in and try to keep up on episodes, you better do it at a daily or every other day process because they're coming at you hard, fast, and wily. Yeah, buddy. Game hole in Madison, Wisconsin at the Alliant Energy Center. Hey, I was pretty excited about this year. We're two years removed from a lot of the bric-a-brac. And uh, three years, I guess. Actually, holy Toledo. And uh, the last time I was there, it was really awkward. I did not have a booth. 
I did not hang out with all the podcaster row. I didn't do any of that. I still played some OSC and ran some games for whoever decided to show up where I was, but I didn't run anything on the grid. I didn't do any of that. Um, but this year was going to be different. I was going to have some product to sell, maybe some swag to give away, all of these ideas that uh, I didn't really follow through in. I did have the booth, however, but I started my new job and I had training from nine, uh, 8 until 4 every day during game hole, well, during the week anyway. So I got there on Wednesday after training, set up the booth, um, went to the hotel. Oh, I ended up playing a game. Uh, well, the Minneapolis crowd got a hold of me. My nemesis, Lord Burnick, contacted me. I went over to where they were staying and played in a super secret play test for, uh, by James McGeorge, authored. It's going to be in the next Hobo Namicon and ran by Doug Kovacs. And it was me and uh, mostly the uh, Minneapolis crew who I consider to be Trevor Hartman, John Carnes, Julian, Clint Bohatty, and Gary Fortuin, who I don't really know that guy that much. But uh, yeah, there were quite a few of us. And we were outside sitting around a fire on the patio of their hotel. It was a it was a grand old time. <laughs> it was it was normal Doug Kovacs slash Punjar stuff, but um, yeah, I had I had fun. I was in a position to really enjoy it in a way that I hadn't in quite a while. So I really had a <laughs> I really had a good time, and I mean we, we were there for played for two hours. We made characters, uh, which was a lot of random rolling, and um, I was there. I was late for that, but they had already made their characters, so I caught up kind of quickly, and we each had two actions, and that was the end of the game. So (laughs) it was uh, lots of inside jokes about repenting uh, and James. So, yeah, good times. I also got to see... Dirtless from the Gaming and BS that night and meet his guys. They were outside playing a game as well. So I never got to play a game with them, but I saw them a few times during the con. And it was a good start. It was a good start. A lot of the people that I hang out with, other than the Minneapolis crew, were not there yet. So back to the hotel and prepare for training the next day, which was exhausting. It kind of sucked. I had some issues but that was par for the course on Thursday and Friday. I had lunch with John Polak, also known as Mr. Mean, on his Mr. Mean YouTube video station. Uh, that's kind of how he talks, so you should go check it, Mr. Mean out. We had a, we only had an hour, so we went to make, uh, not McDonald's, um, Burger King, and had some Impossible Whoppers. Well, I did. I don't, I don't remember what he had, but. It was a good conversation. I hadn't seen him for a, a couple of months, so that was cool. Cool. Um, Hawk showed up later. There was a lot of threats to run games, but never got to. Hung out in the booth. Got to see some people that I hadn't seen. Uh, Arthur Braun, Frank Brooks, John. Um, that was cool. Uh, I did not 
I never ran the game that I was intending to, so everyone kind of filtered off to their own games. We watched uh, Doug and Tom's Punjar game for a while. Seemed like they were playing kind of a cops and robbers, two tables versus each other. So I never heard how that turned out, but ended up heading back to the room and do it again the next day. Uh, so Friday training, Hawk hung out at the booth, threatened to run a game. Never did. Hung around the dealer's table. Um, everyone seemed to have things kind of going on and never could quite get our schedules together for whatever reason. And I'm not, that's probably my own fault because I didn't just say, hey, this is when I'm running it. Let's go. It was more of a, yeah, yeah, let's run. Let's do this. Let's do that. Just, I don't know. It just never happened. So, my apologies to those people who wanted to play, and I never got it, not it going on. Specifically, Clint Bohatty and uh, Trevor Hartman. That was a fun time playing with those guys at the last game hole. So um, I'm disappointed that I didn't, I didn't make that, make that go down. I even had Hawk roll up like six low fantasy gaming characters, and we had fun doing that. And he had to write them by hand. I didn't have any printed sheets and. I bought like uh, something Karth, a Mothership third-party product, and uh, Alchemy, the Courtney Campbell's Alchemy book from that uh, was distributed or published by Frog God Games, I believe. So I haven't looked at that. I haven't looked at either of those things too closely yet, but I got some product. So on Saturday uh, was supposed to be League Poker League. But I got a sub, uh, and then Saturday morning when I was at the hotel getting moving, I got a call that uh, my sub couldn't do poker. Well, I can't not have a sub, so I ended up leaving, and poker was at like 3 o'clock, and I'm in Madison. So that was the end of my game hole. I didn't say goodbye to anyone. I just kind of took off. So that was really weird, and my apologies to all the people that I missed, and I didn't get to play any games other than that very first one, and I didn't get to run any games. So anyone who was looking for me, thanks everyone who bought shirts, and uh, it was awesome hanging out with David Beatty. It was great hanging out with everybody. We hadn't been to a con in years, and in some ways, I wasn't even sure how to do it anymore. So that was a weird thing. I did win the poker tournament, so that was a bonus that made it kind of worth it, and... I didn't drive up back up on Sunday. So that is the extent of Game Hole. All right. Now let's talk about the new campaign. So we lost one of the players. Uh, Thaddeus isn't going to be able to make it, which is unfortunate, but I'm not surprised. We got a new member of the Moore family, so makes some sense that maybe a weekly game isn't something he can commit to yet. I don't know if it had something to do with the setting or the timing or what, but regardless, he couldn't make it. And for the first time, Hawk missed a game. That guy went to go play some war games with some buddies that he hadn't seen for months. So we let him go. That means session one started off with just two people. Clerics wear ringmail, Nola Burt, and Elliot Moshell. So we finished up the what was necessary with character gen. We still haven't talked about advancement. I keep meaning to do that and I hadn't done it yet. 
I'd say if I had to pick some highs and lows, the low absolutely is the technology. I mean, the stream went down three times. It was just brutal. I don't even know exactly what's going on. And it's worked before and now it's not working. I don't know if it's internet related or if it's uh, RAM related on my battle station. I just don't know, guys. And I tell you what, it really has me annoyed. We had a pretty lively crowd watching, you know, not a lot of people, but 10 people watching us play and interacting is, is good. If it was a hundred, I would totally, wouldn't be able to keep up with it, but that many people I usually can. Um, so I stopped going to YouTube that seemed to help. And then at the end it still went down. So definite low was that high was like really cementing or solidifying some of my ideas for what this mini campaign is going to look like. So like I made a 12 by 12 six mile hex map that's located in the Surat jungle of the Midlands. And I used hex kit and I'm really happy with how it looks. It's not as easy to see details, but it's super beautiful. Uh, I turned on the, you can't see anything unless you move the token and so that it'll open up. And the whole concept of the campaign is a hex crawl, but it's it's a intense driven hex crawl because the opening of the campaign was the group being part, not even necessarily together. Some of them may have known each other, but not necessarily. And they um, were with a group of um, our ghost and man who was in search of something deep within the jungle. And he had a nearly two score men. He had a mercenary group called the Brazen Shields. He had a possibly Nadisian sorcerer known as Mavius with him. And it seems like they're searching for a book. Uh, this was all done as a flashback because for the past three days, the the group is being hounded by these massive Saurian-like uh, lizard men that smashed the caravan into pieces and they don't know if anyone else survived but so far the three of them have made it and uh, they had a bit of a respite at the camp they had found hoping they had lost the saurians that uh, were seeking them only to be found by another group of saurians some amphibious visitors uh, i used the the skinks from one of the adventure paths uh, I really like that picture. And that was a cool scene. Um, but really, that's all we got done is that scene. Uh, a little bit more, then we dropped into the flashback to find out how the people, how the characters knew each other and learned what they knew of the mysterious Lord uh, Vernak, I think his, his name is, and who they knew and who they created uh, connections to within that caravan. And I definitely feel like those player, those characters will show up in some way, even if it's in corpse form. So they'll meet them and there'll be scenes. And I think we'll continue the flashbacks. Um, and then Hawk will show up next week. And that should be, that should be interesting. And uh, the high, I really like the map. Um, I feel like I came up with some good mechanics that will meld really nicely with uh, low fantasy gaming's mechanics. So I'm really excited about that. Um, 
I'm trying to put two static. Uh, maybe I shouldn't go into this too deeply, but I'm trying to have something in every hex. Two static, and then you can always pick something up on the encounter table. Because they're six-mile hexes, so you can only travel one hex per day. And that's without searching or anything. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see what happens. I had scheduled it for four to six sessions, and I had a specific idea in mind. But it's very possible that they won't even find the Lost Lake. And so this will be like the second campaign of low fantasy gaming that had a title that had nothing to do with the actual campaign. And uh, while that's a little weird, um, I also like it. <laughs> I don't know why, guys. Just because I'm crazy. So I think that covers what I was wanting to do. And uh, I don't know if I'll see it tomorrow because... Just because, but maybe I will. Maybe there'll be a celebration because I'll get my first sale at my new job. I got two leads today, but I'm having a ride along. And uh, I don't know what that's all about. If it's because my other three didn't go through. And we are people who want to have 100% closing. I'm looking at it as an opportunity, though. So let's 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 keep our opportunities as what they are and ignore the negativity that you could associate with those opportunities as we're moving forward today. Anyhow, guys, stay alive. We all got our jobs to do. It's better to burn out than to fade away.